Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome in. It is the 1st of August, year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. This is Critical Thinking. You know the drill by now. You can watch us on our Rumble page. Just look up Critical Thinking, rumble.com backslash Critical Thinking, or you can follow us on our podcast wherever you get your podcasting platform uh, fix on, wherever you like to get your podcast from. Um, we are happy to be here. Uh, first off, thank you, Pat, uh, for filling in on Friday. Um, I, I was, um, was I still sleeping? Yes, 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 I was still sleeping. When, when you were probably recording that show. Because uh, um, our, our, our plane did not get in until uh, 1.30 in the morning. And, and we didn't get to our hotel until 2.30 in the morning in the ATL. Uh, we, we got a chance to go to the Luke Combs concert this weekend. Uh, check out some fun stuff. Uh, I got to go to the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, did so with a friend of mine who... Uh, was on a national championship um, FCS team from Eastern Michigan way back in the day. Um, so it was really fun. Uh, some of his teammates and uh, some of the coaches and things like that were actually in the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, so it was cool to experience that. Um, if you're in Atlanta, I would go check that out. It's it's pretty cool, um, pretty interactive. And then um, and then the Luke Combs concert. It was it was interesting, but. Uh, Andy tired. See, all I heard there was that uh, Andy's uh, Andy turned into a pumpkin at one thirty in the morning. Yes, like most normal human beings. Yes. Okay, Cinderella. Yeah, it didn't say midnight. It said one thirty. Eh, still works. 
treat you like the redheaded stepchild of the family. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so um, it was a whirlwind weekend. Got a chance to see some family and all that wonderful goodness. Um, Atlanta's always uh, an interesting time, especially coming from another big city. It's really hard to compare the two because they're so different, right? Like Chicago, while it is a city in neighborhoods, it's sprawling. It's huge. It's probably one of the per square acreage biggest cities in the country. You kind of just like go from one neighborhood to the next and you have so many transportation options um, that it's really easy to get from neighborhood to neighborhood. Um, Not so much in Atlanta. It kind of feels like there's just like section and then another section and they're just disjointed. It's a weird city. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, I've been through it. I've never really been like to any particular place within Atlanta. Yeah, it's just, it was interesting. Um, we've been there twice now in the last year. Uh, literally the same weekend, actually. We were there last year for the uh, Braves Brewers, uh, the Hank Aaron series, as, as it's being called. Um, we were there for that last year um, on the anniversary of his death. So, um, yeah, ironic that we were there for the same weekend. Uh, but anywho, um, that all having been said, with all the travel, with all the fun and frivolity that that took place um kind of tuned out pat the only thing i really knew is that uh, bill russell died this weekend that's about it yeah that was that was that was actually uh i mean I, i'm not that surprised i mean the man was like 88 years old yeah 88 years old but, but so, one of the most iconic i think um mm. athletes in american history if it, for real absolutely and and I actually thought about this yesterday. Everyone everyone wants to say that Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time because you know he's got six rings and all that sort of fun stuff. If you're gonna go off of rings, Bill Russell has eleven. Yeah, but how many of them were as a player? Not all eleven. He won two of them as a coach, right? Uh, yeah, but uh, what I'm what I'm saying is, is that he won more rings than Michael ever did. Yeah, and and so. I think the argument, you know, back on that is. Uh, the NBA wasn't what it was in the nineties. You know, there, well, there weren't true. the competition wasn't there. Um, I, w- I would also argue that the uh, NBA was at its peak within the nineties. Yeah. It's been steadily declining ever since mm-hmm. uh, in my view, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. I mean, Bill Russell, one of the greatest athletes of our lifetimes, you know, he played well before we were alive, but um, yeah, just iconic. Um, and then, you know, his political activism is what it is and didn't always agree, but, um, at least he came from a place of thoughtfulness, I would say more often than not. Um, doesn't mean I always had to agree with his opinion, but, um, but overall, I think, you know, a guy who paid attention and, uh, I think that's the important lesson there. Um, but, also one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. Um, so still, it is sad when he legend. passes away. Still a legend. And uh, honestly, it's, you know, he's a legend in the game that I love the most. So, you know, it was, it was a sad day. Now, with that having been said, I think what we're going to do here in the first half of the show before we get to the B or not the B is um, you're going to go through some of the headlines from this weekend and, and uh, 
get my reaction to him because I really honestly tried to check out as much as possible. And I tried to fill my time as much as possible with things to do when I was down there. So I didn't have to pay attention to the news. Um, we just, you know, we got lucky enough, Pat, to have a, a pool with a, or a pool, a hotel with a pool, uh, like a rooftop pool, uh, which was fun. Uh, but also it was 90 degrees and humid every day. We had thunderstorms every day, including the second we got out of the uh, Luke Combs concert. It started to drizzle. We got up the hill about a block and a half away, and it just started just pouring on us. Do, do you know what this is? Smallest world, smallest violin playing the saddest, saddest song? Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 So we got a little bit of sun, a little bit of fun, all that wonderful goodness. So I was not paying attention to the news as much as humanly possible. I needed to check out. So you're going to check me back in, Pat. Are, are you ready to be checked back in? Are you sure? First of all, are are you sure you want to check back in? <laughs> right. I think that's the most important <laughs> question. And my, my gut reaction is, given what we left the world as, no. <laughs> but do I really have a choice? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to start with this one. Poll says 66% of Americans say the country is in a recession or even worse. Majority want a third political party. So this is a story uh, in result to a recent Suffolk University USA Today poll of a thousand registered U.S. voters conducted between July 22nd and July 25th as participants if the U.S. economy is an example of recovery, stagnation, recession, or depression. Over 50% of the respondents that the U.S. is in a recession, plus nearly 16% who declared that the country is suffering through a depression. There was an additional 18% who felt the nation was experiencing stagnation only 9% felt the U.S. was in an economic recovery. The Biden administration has uh, lampooned for attempting to change the traditional definition of recession, which widely accepted as two consecutive quarters of decline across the country's gross domestic product, or GDP. Right. Even left-leaning CNN mug Biden for attempting to change the definition of recession. So, Andrew Coppins, thoughts? My first initial thought was, first of all, do most Americans know how to define a recession, a depression, or stagnation? That was my first thought uh, when I saw this. Because as I look at the economy here, we have so artificially inflated or deflated or however you want to put it. Um, we have so artificially manipulated maybe that's the right word here the economy over the past three years right that i don't know that we know the real truth because we're still not right so we're still spending money as a government hand over fist right um i would dare say that we are in close to if not in stagnation and most of us, right, my generation and, and your generation, because I think we're kind of on the cusp of two different ones, but um, I would suggest that 
we've never experienced this before. Our parents did. Talk to them about the Jimmy Carter era. When you look at the stagnation that happened in seven, late 79, early 80, and 81, right? You look at that election that swept um, Ronald Reagan into power. It still took him a year-ish to kind of get the wheels back underneath the plane, right? I'm not so sure we're not there. I just think that artificially we might be able to avoid stagnation if only because we've been manipulating it. And by the time we stop manipulating it, we might naturally have come out of it. Um, so I struggle with recession versus stagnation. I, I don't think we're heading to a depression in any way, shape, or form um, because a depression would also be the housing market going crazy. Um, you would see the auto industry cratering, and that's not what is going on. Right? We're seeing high consumer demand. We're still seeing people spending money. We're still seeing these things. The problem that has created most of this has actually been the government in its manipulation of currency, its flooding to the market. In fact, I think I read something. Um, it was either on the plane there or on the plane back in which um, there was an economist talking about how we're likely to put another $5 trillion of just funny money BS currency into the marketplace by 2030. Five trillion more dollars. We've already put five trillion dollars into the uh, monetary supply over the past year and a half, almost two years. We're going to flood the market with ten trillion dollars in under a decade. That's on top of what we already do in that marketplace. What do you think that is going to do? And we have talked about this, Pat, on the show. How does the government help or hurt inflation, uh, depression, or recession, right? How does the government interact with that? It is the monetary supply, stupid. You can't flood the market. How do you inflate the marketplace? You flood it with money. That's what we're doing. We're spending money like it's going out of style. And the Biden administration just shoved another, what, 700 or $600 billion down our throat in the whatever act in the Senate? They don't understand that we have to rein in the money supply. And why do you see a 0.75% Fed interest rate increase? Why do you see that every time? You see it because they don't understand that they're not restricting the money supply fast enough. They, The Fed cannot restrict the money supply vis-a-vis the interest rate fast enough to outpace the spending that is happening in Washington, D.C. We have two parties that are drunk on money. Now, I will say this on the backside of this, Pat. If anybody, if you've got student loan debt, debt that is payable to the government, if you will, right? Or if you have large loans that are out there, period. 
Is your is your dollar worth more now, today, or less, Pat? Uh, I would argue it's worth less. Mm-hmm. So, given that your money is worth less, your power when it comes to paying off your loans is greater today than it has ever been in our lifetimes. Because you're paying off dollar for dollar at 80 cents on the dollar. Let's just say, right? Let's say that that $1 three years ago was worth a dollar. Today it's worth 80 cents-ish, right? But you're still paying a dollar in your student loans. But you're actually only paying that dollar at its lowest um, power, if you will. But it's still a dollar you're still paying off that student loan, right? So when the when your money has power is when you invest. And when that money deflates in power, that's when you pay off. Uh, you know, I, I just, hopefully people get that. So if you have high interest rate loans, if you've got student debt, pay off as much as you possibly can right now. Because you have value. You have the power. They're going to take your 80 cents and apply it as a dollar. Do it. Any debt that you have right now, try to pay as much personal debt as possible. Do it. Pay it down because your power of your money is low. You, I hope people understand that. Right, you're you're still paying the dollar, whatever. Like on your mortgage, right? Does your mortgage, unless you have an adjustable rate, unless you have an arm, right? On your mortgage, you're still paying what you're paying, right? They didn't increase your payment based off of Correct. the power of the dollar, right? Correct. No. So continue to pay as much as you possibly can on that. Continue to find ways to to get out of personal debt as much as possible. Because when the recovery happens, you have freed up the dollar that is worth a dollar instead of 80 cents. I hope people understand that concept. But anyway, Pat, uh, more headlines, please, while uh, after you're done yawning. All righty. Well, <laughs> you, you mentioned the uh, revised version of, of Build Back Better. And we, we mentioned last week of uh, Joe Manchin caving to said bill in the senate mm-hmm. um pat toomey um said that mansion got taken to the cleaners by the dems on the tax spending bill um and then on top of that joe manchin refuses to confirm whether he'll be back whether he'll back biden in 2024 uh your thoughts on on both these things so my first question is, when is Joe Manchin up for re-election? Is I it... believe, I believe it's twenty twenty-four. Yeah, I well, believe so as well. Can you you want to look that up? Um. So that's my first question because I think this kind of plays into what is going to happen here. But let's assume that he is up for re-election in twenty twenty-four. It, it is twenty twenty-four. Okay. So there's your reason why he won't support publicly Joe Biden right now. Um, 
So he won't do that because he knows that that is the death knell of his candidacy, right? If he if he comes out and says, "Yeah, I'm going to support the the you know nominee of my party," that's one thing, right? Because we don't know who that is. We don't know that Joe Biden's going to be able to even make it that far. I mean, God forbid the guy got COVID twice in a week. Talk about rebound COVID. I mean, he he went full on Anthony Fauci. And I thought about so let's leave that to the side. But Joe Manchin is absolutely 100% a politician, right? He is not somebody who stands on any sort of real principle. It's whatever gets him power. And he has his power at probably the highest it has ever been because he basically gets to pick and choose. The problem that I have with his political calculation here is not so much that he's calculating that uh, supporting Joe Biden is a bad idea in West Virginia. It's that West Virginians see this Inflation Reduction Act as potentially killing whole industries of his entire state. On the one hand, I'm being the politician. On the other hand, I'm grifting to get whatever I got. I don't know what he gets out of that deal that was made to get him to support this fiscally responsible spending bill. I'm going to give all of the senators and all of the Congress people out there a, a little bit of advice. When we are heading for recession, stagnation, whatever you want to call it, you have the ability to help in a recovery. Your ability to help in said recovery is to reduce spending. Stop spending as tons of money. Rein it in. Balance the budget. Give us a surplus. And then help the overall economy. That is the only way that you guys can do it. Now, you can help tank the economy by continuing to spend like drunken sailors. And one of the things that Joe Manchin supported, right, was the Inflation Reduction Act, which was just a tax. That's all it is. It's a tax by a different name. I'm failing to understand how raising somebody's taxes, whether they're wealthy or poor or anywhere in between, helps during a recession. I'm failing to understand that, Pat. When people are struggling to pay the bills, do all those things, when the wealthiest of of the American public is pulling money out of the economy, right? The people that are supposed to help. So you're going to pull more. You're going to suck more out of that. What what are you doing? It is... I, I hearken back to sitting in AP macroeconomics when I was a junior in high school, right? This is... This is as basic of an economic principle as you can get. There's a supply of money. There's a demand for goods and services, right? When you on the government side get to control the supply of money and you're flooding, 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 what happens and demand stays the same? What happens to the price of goods? 
it has to go up. I just... This is just basic economics that these people can't understand. And I don't understand Joe Manchin's thinking here. Because on the one hand, political calculation. On the other, I'm going to screw the people of my own state. What what are you doing? This is one of the dumbest political decisions I have ever seen. One of the dumbest. Right next to Jeb Bush during any of the presidential debates during the uh, 2016 election. That has to have been the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Please clap. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I think I would add to this, though, is is Joe Manchin even going to run for re-election in 2024? I think he might That would be my question. I think think what he'll do is he'll try to read the writing on the wall, Mm. and if he thinks he's got a shot, then he runs if he... They're kind of indicating, hey, enough, enough is enough. He'll get out. But I also yeah. think it, it also depends on if it looks like the uh, Republicans are or aren't going to gain control of the Senate. Yeah, well, I, I, I would also say that's why he's not uh, coming, also coming out and saying that he's going to uh, back Biden or not mm-hmm. is because what if he doesn't run again? You know, like, like what does it matter at that point? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's all kind of connected with each other. But speaking of all of this, um, your your favorite congressman, uh, Andrew, um, or congresswoman, I should say. Um, well, how do you assume that person's gender? Well, I mean, her name is Maxine Waters. So. You son of a beach. Uh, so she says um, that she may not vote for the uh, shameful Inflation Reduction Act. She's calling it shameful, um, citing lack of house- housing spending. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Coppin, do you have a reaction there? Um, two things. Go to hell, Maxine Waters. Um. And number two, what the hell is she talking about? Because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, we just got done fighting a illegal eviction moratorium during COVID-19, which, by the way, only served to do what to rent prices in the United States of America, Pat? Uh, kind of, uh raised all those prices at the end of the day right and why did that happen because there were people who couldn't be evicted right so when Mm -hmm. you cannot take a tenant that isn't paying rent out of their their home right out of the place what do you do to the other people who are paying rent like suckers at that point in time yep yeah you have to raise their rent in order to recover and recuperate what you're missing from the person who's not paying their bleeping rent. Oh, and oh, by the way, all of those people that you have to evict, it costs you thousands of dollars to go through that process. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of... No, I'm very curious. What, what other housing money should be spent 
I, I don't understand this. You gotta also understand this is Maxine Waters. Please, Auntie Maxine, Ma- kill the deal. Kill it. Yeah, please. Uh, please, please do. Um speaking of I'll i I'll give you one more headline before we uh, get to the beer not to be here. Okay. So speaking of spending, okay. Oh no. The federal student loan program was supposed to pay for itself. Now it cost taxpayers $197 billion. Color me shocked, Pat. I mean, I'm I mean, not. Just who done. couldn't have seen that? I mean, maybe not 100. Maybe, maybe we didn't see the, the number of $197 billion, but who, who didn't see that coming? Yeah, in... in Ironically, I think I talked about this when I talked about modern monetary theory. Um, so I'll have to – maybe what I'll do is I'll re-update that video at some point in time where I talk about modern monetary theory. But the federal student loan program is literally modern monetary theory in practice, right? Mm-hmm. And ironically, who is taking on – the most amount of the modern monetary theory student loan debt. The wealthy. Uh, The wealthy. Why? It's not because they don't have the money to send their kid to school. It's because they know how to use debt. So while they are in school, right, and they're going to get whatever student loan, Right, let's say thirty thousand dollars a year, or whatever the hell the amount is. Mm-hmm. Okay, mom and dad can take out student loans in their name. Right, right, right. Okay. When you go to pay them back, how much percent are you paying on your interest? Maybe four, three and a half, depending on so the those. federal student loan program you're in. Right? Sure. What if you qualify for a Pell Grant? Right? Okay. Mommy and daddy can take that big trust fund or that big fund of money, that big pool of money they've been setting aside for your education and do what with it for four years, Pat? Put it to work. Uh, Yeah. As long as they make 5% or more, right? On that return on investment for four years straight. Mind you, all that uh, loans and stuff that they're taking out, they get to deduct in their taxes too. Right, exactly. They make up the greatest portion of the debt in the United States of America when it comes to federal student loans. It is not the, the poor. It is not this. It's not that. And also... What do you see tuition rise to? Basically, the amount of money you can borrow. It is amazing how you could pick any university USA with the exception of some of the private schools and know exactly how much that public school tuition is going to cost you. No matter where you go, if you go out of state, probably around 25, 30 grand. If you go in state, 12 to 15. 
How do I Generous. know that without even looking it up? Because those are the amounts of money you can borrow. It's it's ironic, don't you think? I, I just what the hell? Um, we need to stop allowing people who can afford for their kids to go to school from being able to take on debt so that they be, they can make more money during that time frame, right? No, if right. you can pay for school, you can pay for school. These are supposed to be need-based programs, and they haven't done that in forever. And I use my own situation as a, a prime example of when they did do need-based scholarships or need-based um, situations. It just so happened that my parents started moving up the the ladder in their jobs and in their professions right as I was about to enter college. Never mind that, you know, as a younger uh, child, there were struggles and hard times and, and things like that in which there was no way they could have set up enough money for me to have gone to school. But not only that, it affected my ability to borrow I didn't receive Pell Grants. I didn't receive the maximum amount allowable. It was, oh, your parents make this much money. Screw whatever happened 10 years ago or what was going on to lead up to that. Oh, nope. See you later. Right? It wasn't, it was just income-based. Let's go back to that system. Let's make people actually have some skin in the game. And that's the problem here. You're going to see you're going to see the price of college go way down when people actually have to have skin in the game. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that video and try to re-up that. But um, but yeah, I think it's a great i it's a great example of what goes wrong when the government is the arbiter of money and who gets it and how do you get it. And in modern monetary theory. This is a prime example of it and how it goes bad. How are we paying for people who are supposed to be paying whatever was borrowed back? How are we, the taxpayer, on the hook for money that they're borrowing from us? You're doing it wrong if it is costing us money. But hey, we're just going to erase all of the debt, right? Now, hey, I got student loan debt still, Pat, right? So, hey, am I going to be a sucker and pay it back right now? I mean, principally, I took out the loans. I decided to do that. I should right. pay them back. Hmm. But am I going to be the sucker that does that while these guys try to try to cancel as much student loan debt as possible? Do you see the problem? Yep. It's a conundrum for sure. It's a conundrum. And that's how you get to this costing a hundred and whatever billion dollars because nobody's paying their loans back. Right. And nor should they, if the government's going to sit there and do what they're do thinking about doing, why? Yeah, there, there is no reason why there isn't one. So There's in no the middle of a recession, we're going to take on massive, we're talking trillions of dollars of more debt. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what they're telling you. Mm-hmm. And what and what what in order to do so, what would we have to do, Pat, as a country? Um, spend. We would have to print more money. Oh, that too. And what does that do again, Pat? It devalues the dollar. Mm-hmm. 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 It, it, yeah. So, um, memo to America: Stop trying to go down the route of Venezuela. Okay, stop it. Stop, 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 stop it. Um, also, uh, on that note, uh, I, I just want to remind you, uh, Andrew, that uh, we're, we're not in a recession. We're, we're, we're not. What's a recession? Right. Exactly. Because um, you... apparently that definition can just change on a dime. Yeah, that, that's true. But are you ready uh, to play the B or not the B? Um... I'm as ready as I am on a Monday morning. So I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty then. Today's headline. CDC declares gay orgies an essential activity. <laughs> CDC declares gay orgies an essential activity. Uh, is this the B or not the B? That is the question. While you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, if you haven't yet... Go check out revivingliberty.com. We have a new episode dropping tomorrow. Um, and honestly, with everything that is going on, with, with the great reset looming within this country, with modern monetary theory, uh, with, with individual liberty being uh, whittled away at all the time, especially uh, with, with this administration and all of the things that have been going on with COVID and now apparently monkeypox, uh it, you really need to to go to revivingliberty.com. The reason why I say this is because liberty starts with you. It doesn't start with the government. It starts with you, the people. Um, and we, Andrew, so eloquently lays out a pathway for you to get on to help you start bringing liberty back into your life. It is a trickle up sort of thing, not a trickle down thing. Um, what you can do with yourself, your own individual families, your community, will go naturally go all the way up to the top. So you want your liberty back. You want to bring those kinds of ideas back to America. Go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played to check it out today and share it far and wide. So go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played. Yeah, and tomorrow's episode, by the way, is going to be uh, Fellowships, Not Coalitions. Fellowships, Not Coalitions. Yes. So, without further ado, CDC declares gay orgies an essential activity. Andrew Coppins, what is your answer? So this has to be the Babylon Bee. Um, but also, um, I, I'll save this for the other side. I, I have to be right, right? It's got to be the Babylon Bee. Are you sure? No, because um, I wouldn't put it past them, but yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, you did just win us $100 of Dominic Izzo's totally Ponzi scheme money. Alrighty then. Oh, by the way, the, the, the graphic on this thing is hysterical. It's, it's non-essential versus essential activities. Non-essential includes going back to church, going to work, having a party, funeral for grandma, going outside. Essential activities are riots, dining at French laundry, and gay orgies. Um, <laughs> 
And in Atlanta, Georgia, the CDC has updated the list of essential, non-essential activities during a pandemic or outbreak, adding gay orgies to the essential category. The CDC officially moved gay orgies to the essential side of the for the guidelines for which activities you can still participate in during spread of a virus where it is joined other activities like going to dinner at a French laundry and mostly peaceful riots. While going to church, work, and school will be forbidden for the next time there is a massive outbreak, gay orgies will always be a protected activity, said CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. Certain activities are sacred constitutional rights and the government cannot forbid you from doing. Things like massive group sex with other gay people, this is what America is all about. It is worth the risk. It is about your right, nay, your duty to continue this important activity during to the spread of a disease that is mostly spread by this activity, she added. Democrat leaders say they are moving forward to amend the Constitution to include the right to orgies in the document, which many proposing the Second Amendment be replaced with the new one. This is kind of a... So my, my, my initial reaction to this is kind of a uh, early truth or fiction for you, but truth or fiction, uh, America's new religion is the rainbow jihad. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that's a really good one. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna go with truth on that. I, I really do yeah, think too. that. Um, mm. Yeah, I really do. Now, <clears throat> Pat, the one thing I did see kind of go crazy this weekend um, was a segment featuring uh, Brad Palumbo, host of Based Politics, and uh, a uh, apparently super gay libertarian. Whatever, doesn't matter to me. Um, it's just um, as we're talking about monkeypox, I want to set it up this way. Because I had this discussion with friends, okay? I had it this weekend. And it's as simple as this. If you are involved in a singular activity, right? So, for instance, if you if you're um, about to engage in, in coitus with, with a lady, and do you or do not want to know the history or ask them questions as to what their history might be. Um, what if they told you they had um, the clap or whatever, right? Would you or would you not take the precautions or, more importantly, not engage in activity with them? The answer should be I mean, yes. I would not do that, right? I mean, generally speaking, you know, at least, you know, a dinner and a movie first or something, you know, something where you can get to know them to understand like, hey, this is what your history is. And right, by but that's the way, you and me, right? So let's say we're in the heat of the moment, okay? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we know that in the heat of the moment, this particular act mm -hmm, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. the most likely way to pass something on and and further spread it amongst the pop population writ large okay uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. how about this all right and i and i talked about this this weekend with with uh people that we were with 
it would be like if we knew that COVID-19 spread very specifically one way. What we know about COVID-19 is that it is spread via aerosol. There is no way to know when, how, how you can prevent it, how you can do it. It is not something that you can just prevent, right? It's impossible. We know that. But what if COVID-19 was spread very specifically vis-a-vis sexual acts, right? Between a subset of individuals in this country or around the world. And what if we knew that not engaging in those acts for a period of time would wipe it out, would stop the actual spread? What if we knew that? What if we knew that, Pat? What if we knew that? Would would or would we not want to tell that subset of people to disengage from that activity for a little bit of time? You know, hear me out. 15 days to slow the spread. (laughs) To flatten the curve. Well, we can catch up. It's kind of like, I also use this example, Ebola, right? Yep. You contain it, and you don't interact with people who have it. And what happens? Ebola still exists in the world, right? Right. But it becomes far less of an issue. Right. I I want you to watch what takes place when Brad Palumbo, speaking on Kennedy's program this weekend... Or not this weekend. <clears throat> Might have been Friday it was night? Friday or last Thursday. I can't remember yeah, which day. Thursday it was. or Friday night. Watch what happens when somebody suggests engaging in a certain activity should be frowned upon. Just watch. As for monkeypox, I, I think there's a pretty good rule in life. Uh, don't attend gay orgies. Uh, when you look at the New England Journal's report of the five hundred and forty orgies that they reviewed. Ned, come on, man. It's not what? about gay. How about no, not any go look, at, go look at the New England Journal's report that NBC News reported on, on Friday, in which of the 528 cases they reviewed, 95% were between sex between men. Yeah, I think we actually have to have a serious conversation about where this is coming from. When I'm done, Brad, you can talk. Instead of going crazy and declaring a national pandemic when 3,000 people have it right now, it's insane. I don't know, man. You don't have to be gay to get monkeypox, and uh, you don't have to be bigoted when you talk about treating something that is that easily spread. Marie. It's not bigoted. Yeah, it is. This, this is science, Kennedy. Ninety-five percent of the cases from the New right, England I, you Journal. You know what? I'm going to let Brad respond. Okay, I'm going to let Brad respond because Brad, we have 372 doses. The United States in Denmark, where the the smallpox, monkeypox vaccine is manufactured, they were ready to go, but uh, because this has been an issue for more men in the gay community, it seems like it has been lower on the priority list. Brad. 
Yeah, look, Ned is right when he says that monkeypox right now is mostly affecting gay men. The problem is that public health-wise, not going to orgies in general is a good policy to not get sexually transmitted diseases. 100%. And so we have to be really careful. We saw with the AIDS crisis, with the HIV crisis, about how certain communities or certain gay people will be stigmatized yes. over something that lots of people do. And we've got to be careful about that. And that kind of, I will use the term, big... <laughs> Wow. Uh, I mean, is it, is it really truly bigoted to uh, point out something that's actually happening? Facts don't care about your feelings. Right. The truth matters. The truth matters. And do you notice, first of all, Brad Palumbo, gay. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the second that that term is brought up, what happens? Oh, he becomes like just like one of those crazy people that that's just triggered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Brad's point, yeah, you're right. Engaging in that type of an activity in general is a bad idea. Is a very risky proposition, unless you know who you are with and what you're doing, and have proof of this or proof of that. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. To, to Kennedy's point too, by the way, you don't have to be gay to get monkeypox. I agree. I agree with both of those premises, but that's not what's being said here. What is being said and what was said is if you want to slow the spread, if you want to stop the spread of this virus, you have to get to the root issue. And the root issue is sexual activity between men. This isn't lesbian sexual activity by and large in this is the problem. We live in a society that can't root in truth, can't root in actual data. The actual data tells us that engaging in this activity is what gives you a 95% chance of contracting this virus. That can change over time, right? That data could skew one way or the other. Because this can be passed through close contact. And we're talking about the exchange of bodily fluids, by the way, this stupid close contact term. We are talking about people basically swapping spit or other bodily fluids or getting them into, you know, cuts or things like that. Do I understand that you do not want to stigmatize a population? Yes, I do. But I would also argue these are the same effing people, and this was my argument this weekend. These are the same freaking people who told us and shamed America and shamed us all for daring to think different than them. They now want their freedom, but their freedom, their freedom of choice, has an actual direct impact on the rest of society, right? This is the difference between COVID-19 and monkeypox. Monkeypox can be spread just one specific way, close, intimate contact with each other. That's it. It is not spread any other way. COVID-19 is an aerosolized virus. This is not. There's a massive scientific difference between these two. There is a way for us to be able to control 
slow and stop the spread of it so that the rest of the population has no issue, has a less of a, a, a chance at this. An actual act that you could do is to stop engaging in this for a little bit of time, right? The, the same people for the past two years, you need to sacrifice your freedom. You need to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice. Are the same people who will not simply sacrifice gay bathhouse visits. And I think I talked about this last week, right, Pat? Where literally, as this, this thing is ramping up in the community, I watch an entrance to a gay bathhouse down the street. I watch literally hundreds of men line up around a freaking block to do whatever the hell was going on in there or to to see whatever was going on in there or whatever event was happening. Hundreds of them. The same bleepers who told the rest of us to sacrifice our freedom for that so that uh, we can slow the spread of a virus that we had no way to slow the spread of. These are the same people, and I use this example, right, with with the Lori Lightfoot example of she hated Donald Trump, right? So much so, and largely because he was a rude, crass, horrible individual, right? Right. Okay. Absolutely terrible. Okay. Let me ask you a very quick question, Pat. Then if you turn around and become a crass, horrible, nasty person in response to that, you're the same person, right? When she goes out and yells F Donald Trump at a a public event, so on the one hand, not good for the goose on the other well not good for the gander good for the goose right right what are we doing here i'm not suggesting that they were right by the way i'm not suggesting that they were right to tell us to sacrifice for two years what I am saying is you can't on one hand tell us to sacrifice our freedoms, our businesses, our livelihoods, our lives, by the way, because people couldn't get cancer screenings. People couldn't do this. People couldn't do that. Never mind the fact that we have excess death numbers that are absolutely batshit crazy all over the world to this day. Right now, Pat, in the UK, the last numbers that just came out, they are 12% over their excess death rate. Their expected excess death rate. They're 12% over it. And we're seeing the lowest COVID numbers we've seen in a long time over there. At least in terms of deaths. It's not COVID anymore. What the hell is happening, right? When you see that kind of an increase in excess death, and it's not specifically related to one thing, right? Where it's not like, hmm, What's going on here? And we're seeing most of that excess death excess death toll happening in young people. 
People suddenly dropping dead of heart issues that never had heart issues. People suddenly dying of suicidality at massive rates. These people asked us to do all of that in the name of public safety, right? But these people, this is the I want a culture, my friends. This is the I want a culture. Everybody else has a responsibility, right? Everybody else but moi. Whatever the hell I want to do, whenever the hell I want to do it, however I want to do it, with whomever I want to do it. Now, if during COVID-19, and I said this from the very get-go, if during COVID-19 we had scientific proof that doing the things that we did in those first 15 days would have killed the spread of the virus, would have neutralized it, probably worth that sacrifice because of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are going to necessarily die. I said that from the very get-go. There is a time to sacrifice. But we had no way to control it. We do have a way to control monkeypox. Why? How the hell did it jump from Africa, just neutralized and centrally located in one area, right? How the hell did it go from there to the rest of the world? Vis-a-vis male-to-male intimate contact. Now it's spreading beyond, right? These people will not sacrifice their own personal jollies. For public health? Yet we had to do this for two years, Pat. For two years. Give everything up. And if you chose not to do so, you were an asshole, right? You were the worst of society. You were this. And and this is their standard. I am holding them to their standard. When I use the data that we use on this program, Pat, I am using their data. I'm not using some right-wing you know, conspiracy theory, not data. I am simply taking the data from their own studies, their own uh, public health departments, their own information, using it to shove it right up their rear end. And sadly, we still don't have everything back from those those two years. We will never will. No, we won't. Yet these people will not live to their own standard this time, right? Well, because I want to be able to engage in whatever activity I want to engage in. Damn the consequences, right? Funny you should say that. Again, there is a time to make a personal sacrifice and personal decision, and there's a time not to, right? Again, if you have the scientific data that shows me these things work, or that the methodology, or that the things that we're going to attempt have any modicum of actual, provable help? Cool. I go all the way back to my argument with the flu vaccinations. If I know that I am vulnerable to the flu, and I also know that we got the right strain, 
of the flu vaccine. Should you or should you not take it? My argument would be unless you are allergic to something in that vaccination and we got it at a 60, 70, 80% level, take it. Because you don't know when the flu is going to hit you and you could die, right? But if it's under 50% or we got the wrong strain, doesn't matter if you take it or not. That, that's the, the choice that you have to figure out, right? Not anti-vaccination. I am anti-putting something in my body that has no efficacy to it. None. We just watched the President of the United States of America, Pat, get COVID twice. And it's, I hear, I hear some people, well, you know, you could test positive or test negative for a couple of days and, and then uh, have a false positive. Yeah, you're right. You could. Except for he has the best care in the freaking world, right? The best care, the easiest access to provable testing, right? This isn't like sticking the thing up your nose uh, at home. This, how the hell are you double vaxxed, right? Triple boosted, and then get COVID twice in one week? How is that possible? If all of the things that you're supposed to be doing are working. Now, here's the rub on all this, Pat. The actual scientific data that studies all of these anomalies tells us that it is the most likely scenario for somebody to get COVID, like the rebound versions of COVID, when they are double vaxxed, triple boosted. Why? Because your body has so many of these quote-unquote antibodies in it, right? Your body has so much COVID in it that it will just re-trigger it, at least according to the studies that are out there. This is the problem I have. Brad Palumbo, if you listen to Brad Palumbo's version of libertarianism, it's libertinism, and it's because of his persuasion in life, if you will. His persuasion in life informs the Iwana. He is the Iwana culture. He actually doesn't believe in responsibility. He wants freedom without responsibility. The only time he wants responsibility is when somebody else has to have it so that he can engage in whatever the hell he wants to engage in. I am so sick and tired of that version of culture coming down upon people who dare to look at science and make personal decisions based off of that science, but then not using their own standard for themselves. I'm sick and tired of it. And it automatically comes from one section, one version of our society. It is never the, the actual liberty-minded individual. Because the actual liberty-minded individual understands rights and responsibilities, understands choice and consequence. 
These people don't. It is always them that wants to impose public health safety and the greater good upon the rest of us. But when it comes to them having to sacrifice anything for the rest of society, oh, hell no. Wait a minute, you just told us to do so, right? That is the epitome of the I want a culture. And it is the, it's the irony of that culture, right? Because it is two things. It is self-aggrandizing, but it's also shoving responsibility off of yourself onto everybody else. Everybody else sacrifice. Everybody else, everybody else, right? Well, it's not just spread amongst game. No, no bleep Sherlock. But when, but when we know that one activity increases your ability, for instance, during COVID-19, right, Pat? I got a question for you. If somebody was um, actively sick, right, with COVID-19, would you suggest making out with them, Pat? I mean, no. I, I, I have one question. How hot are they? I'm just kidding. The answer is no, right? The answer is Why? No. Because engaging in that would increase your own personal chances of getting COVID-19. Dude, I don't I don't even kiss my wife when she gets a cold. Just a simple cold because right. I don't want the freaking cold. Right. In our household, we have a very simple rule. If you are sick, stay away from me. <laughs> right. Go sleep in the this other room, right? You know, it is really simple, right? That's what we're talking about. These people can't even stay away. Mm, sorry. The only responsibility that they want is, well, we should get the same treatment as COVID-19. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Because this is not something that, this is something that is so easily containable. So easily containable. And this is not about gay, straight, lesbian, anything. This is about if you knew that there was an activity that you could disengage from that would help the rest of society and make sure that um, something that could have some potential bad outcomes... The other part of this for me is that monkeypox really doesn't have that terrible of an outcome. I think there's what three deaths from monkeypox in America, something like that. Yeah, it's not. It, it is not high. But if you knew that not contracting a virus, if there was a way in which you could actively stop the 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 spread of a virus, according to science, right? Shouldn't you do it? Now, I mean, look at the look at what they're advocating with HIV and AIDS right now, right? If you if you have HIV or AIDS and you know about it and you're um, dormant, they they they're, they're claiming you cannot spread it anymore. Okay. But what happens if you don't know that you're active instead of dormant and you spread it? We have laws that are being stripped off the books about um, sexually transmitted diseases and um, it, not just HIV, but others that have negative health consequences. 
being stripped off the books. You don't have to disclose to a partner. You used to have literally criminal liability for that. No, nope, nope, nope. We can't do that. We can't. There's no personal responsibility. That's my problem. You wanted us to have personal responsibility for something that we had no control over. Now you don't want personal responsibility for yourself because you want to. I don't get it. I, it it bothers me. It bothers me to no end. I say if you want to live and let live, deal with the consequences and don't come crying to me when those consequences happen to you. Does that mean I am not empathetic? No, not necessarily. For instance, if you're in a situation in which, like, let's say you're a teenage uh, girl and you get pregnant, right? Can I be empathetic to the fact that things are going to be difficult for you? Absolutely. Can I find ways to help support um, community or uh, through my church or other ways to help support uh, people who are in those situations? Sure. Absolutely I can do so. Same thing with AIDS or HIV or whatever, whatever diseases are out there, right? You can do all those things. But when you continue, how did I get pregnant three times by the time I was 18? Oh, and then you want to complain about it. Here's your sign, as Bill Ingvall is so famous to say, right? I, I, I just, I, I'm going to hold you to your standard. It's just going to be that simple. You have a standard for me? Cool. I'm going to hold you to the same standard then. My standard is this. If you want to engage in, in an action and you don't like the outcome of that action, that ain't on me, that on you. Can I help? Can I reach out a helping hand and help you up? Absolutely, I can do so. But would you do the same for me? No. That's my problem. We live in a society in which the spirit of the age, the sickness that is out there, that gut rot that is out there, doesn't want to pick up the people who want to stay healthy but might fall once in a while because we're all fallen individuals. But those that are already fallen, they expect to be picked up. And I'm not talking an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth here, right? Because we talked about that on Thursday's show. I'm not talking about turn the other cheek or, or any of these things. I am talking about principles and standards. And this is what happens. This is what a society in which standards and principles are no longer a thing. This is what happens. This is the chaos. This is not anarchism. This is just out-and-out libertine society. And I want no part of it. Because it turns out that rights, liberty, freedom, however you want to term it, your personal freedom comes with personal responsibility. And when you refuse to engage in that responsibility, and most importantly, that responsibility has an actual 
potential for that negative outcome for the rest of society, that's a problem. Again, the difference with COVID and monkeypox is that the personal freedom you asked me to do did nothing and would do nothing, right? And now in monkeypox, every bit of science, every bit of it, every bit of provable scientific study suggests stopping and engaging in an activity in which literally you are as intimately involved as humanly possible would stop the ability for it to be spread. What the hell with these people? (sighs) That felt good, Pat. That felt good. On that note, um, any final thoughts on today's show? Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And uh, gay orgies are as non-essential as Fauci, Burks, masks, and 14 days to flatten the curve. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.